0: We were laughing really, really hard then, too, until my internet decided to get out, and then I was not laughing. Oh, I was the opposite <laughs> of laughing, but. One would hope that our listeners are here to just listen to us jabber, but we do usually promise them a product, the product being a topic. That was the weirdest segue Uh, that's why i'm called the master of mediocrity
1: (laughs) i love how even like the way that that song developed was pretty mediocre (laughs) (laughs)
0: look i'm coming in bare minimum (laughs) not really i love all of you just slightly above bare minimum
1: we love you. Uh, uh,
0: so I'm your mom, like of, and you are
1: <laughs> LOL from your lieutenant of literature, Jessica. And whenever I hear things like love you bare minimum, I think I'll see you around. Not if I see you first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Love you bare minimum is such a frenemy thing to say. You're like, love you bare minimum. Bye. <laughs> I don't
1: I feel know. Like it just Sharpay feels said like that. so.
0: I never watched I High School just... Musical, but I know who Sharpay is.
1: But anyway, uh, I am the Lieutenant of Literature, <laughs> Jessica, and I'm very highbrow. Thank you very much. Look at all my high school musical references peak cultural <laughs> reference right there. I need you to take me to school as the mom host. You Take you me. to
0: school. We're talking about Marie Severin. Oh, I can't sing. I was trying. I'm so I sorry, think you're everybody. Doing a wonderful uh, job. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Love you, bare minimum.
1: Love you, bare uh. minimum. <laughs> oh my god.
0: In way, we're going to talk about Marie Severin. She was an American cartoonist and colorist. She worked for Marvel and EC Comics earning her a place in both the Will Eisner Comics and Harvey Awards Hall of Fame. She broke in as a colorist when her brother, working for EC Comics, needed the assistance. Now, you might say, Wow, family ties, what a way to go. But no, 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 no. She actually was a talented and trained artiste. They had an artistic childhood and home life, so he knew what her skills were. And she became a highly trusted artist coloring all the books for EC. One of the things that she was known for was working with the book rather than wanting to subdue or change scenes. What's really funny is that there was this blue panel controversy around her because somebody claimed in the biography that they were writing about another person that Marie Wood's use her catholic morality and express her subtly express her distaste for a scene by coloring a panel dark blue to subdue or i don't know change the tone marie on the other hand who's the the expert on her own life says that she colored things based on well practicality as the expert in her own work was saying she based it on like whether or not Parents would be pissed off catching their little kiddo, little Jimmy, reading a book where someone was disemboweled. Her thought was maybe change the colors so it's not just like all blood and gore, which seems pretty reasonable to me.
1: I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. And that was back when comics were actually for like kids, right? So, yeah, I mean, at least give them a little bit of camouflage.
0: A little bit. And I think there was a lot of that was when the comics council thing was going on. Because she was around almost from the get go. So she knew what she had to do to not piss off the powers that be who could censor them. And the most terrifying person is a middle class white lady who feels like their child is threatened because of their morals. Yes, Karen's. I wonder what the name would have been a long time ago. Would it have been like Abigail's? I don't know. Uh, Abigail's still a common name. I'm sorry, Abigail. I did not. Mm. I'm not going to popular Aethel? names from Ooh, the Aethel. 1970s. I think Ethel is right one. Ooh, the pre-Karens were Ethel's. Anyway, Marie was threatened by Ethel's. Maybe. I can't <laughs> prove that. Don't take me she as a avoided, source. <laughs> she
1: avoided being she threatened avoided by She avoided Ethel's. There we go. Yeah. She subverted Ethel's. She's a mistress of mirth and subverter of Ethel's.
0: I hope nobody uses that as an actual tagline for her. But if you do, cite your source. Um, Anyway, so (laughs) she was pivotal in creating many a Marvel character, including Spider-Woman. Or at least she is attributed with co-creation, considering she designed the original costume. She drew, designed, and contributed to Marvel Comics their toys, and their other licensed merchandise, including Spider-Man and Hulk toilet paper from 1979, which you can still buy on eBay or other websites. And I thought about it for half a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what would I do with collectible toilet paper? I would TP somebody's house with it. Be like, you anti-comic nerd. (laughs) She was a pretty influential lady. She led as the head colorist until 1972 and eventually retired in the mid-aughts. In 2001, she was inducted into the Will Eisner Comics Hall of Fame in one of the most infuriating things. She was one of the first women inducted in 2001. Her career started in at least 1949, and she was inducted 52 years later. She did the line work for Jim Lee, for all these other people. She did all these colors for, like, the war comics or the star spangled or whatever she co-created spider woman
1: 2001
0: that's some shit
1: which now i just like had a moment where i realized that was 20 years ago so just yeah also also just yeah com- i was like mm, no that was like five years ago and i was like wait uh
0: <laughs> nope nope the current russian government is older than her life in the comics hall of fame.
1: So the 20th century didn't see any women in the hall of fame, but the 21st century did almost immediately. Which is the only good 21st thing that's century. In the-,
0: the woman's century. <laughs> century of Killing women in comics. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Before anybody judges us for our ridiculousness, Marie. Had the nickname Mirthful Marie. I really wish we had those kind of nicknames nowadays. But Aaron doesn't really have like a good adjective that flows with it, so I don't really know what people would call me. Ooh, I was actually more scared people would call me Karen Aaron, Um,
1: (laughs) Ethel Aaron.
0: (sighs) (laughs) Ah, Ethel Aaron is even
1: better. Jovial Jessica, yeah. Erudite Aaron, Aaron, strike again.
0: Dun, dun, dun. If anybody wants to draw that super comic, cite your sources. Um, So, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's going to be great. So she had a <laughs> righteous sense of humor and she loved drawing caricatures. She did sketches of some of the most well-known top artists in Marvel. And that was almost a rite of passage, getting a caricature from Marie. How you truly knew you were welcome, so would hate to be that person who didn't have a caricature in their cubicle. There is a book about her career if you want to read it. It's simply titled Marie Severin, The Mirthful Mistress of Comics, which is just amazing. But she did die at the age of 89 from a stroke. New York Times does have an obituary commiserating Miss Severin, and one line stood out in general. It was about how the industry's not really great at crediting people for their work. We can still see that today, particularly, I think, more so when it comes to letterers based on trends that I've seen on the internet. But, you know, it's a lot easier to fight those bad habits in the internet age than it is, probably, was in the 70s. I don't know. She was a beloved person of her team. Her humorous art was also, I think, a motivator for the book Not Brand Eck, Which included several parodies like The Silver Burper, The Inedible Bulk. Um, My favorite from that is Nat Man and Rotten, which was done by her. I also want to point out that that's the kind of satire I think we need to bring back to comic books,
1: you know. I just... remember when you were reading it, you were sending me screenshots and just completely dying of laughter. And you were like, it's all satire. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, and you were like, no, it's good satire. I was like, oh, OK. Woo!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> some of it did not age well, like I'm not. Oh. Uh, but it's kind of like any lingo or any ideas as they. As things in culture changes that some things are going to become. Acceptable, and some aren't, so it's always going to have that component because it was only published from nineteen sixty seven to nineteen sixty nine but for the most part, from what little I did actually read, I thought it was pretty hilarious and still okay. A lot of it, I think, was still geared towards kids, it broke the fourth wall a lot, and it was just goofy. I mean, the silver burper, come on, that's hilarious. And like the whole Natman and Ratten, or Rotten thing. Oh, it was it was fun. Like, just to, okay, I'm going to just explain, not Brand Eck, a little bit. I guess in the 60s, companies referred to their competitors as Brand X. And Marvel had affectionately dubbed its closest competitor, the publisher, the Who shall not be named in this episode, as Brand X in their bulletins or newsletters. That's spelled E-C-H-H. Brand Eck led to some, I think just like one-off comics, but then they decided to turn it into a trademark series called Not Brand Eck, which made fun of Marvel and its closest competitor. So the Natman and Rotten issue is actually called The Aging Peter Pooper <laughs> versus Natman and Rotten, co-starring J. Jawbone Junkton. You may know Natman and Rotten from Defective Comics with such lovable cast members of Natboy, Natgirl, and Natcat. The designs are just pretty great, and it's just a, it's a fun little satire story. But I think what I enjoyed about it the most is like Jay Jawbone Junction, much like his actual comic counterpart, was all like Spidey needs to go. He's a vigilante, so he calls in Natman, and he's like, "What's up, Natman? Can you get rid of my problem, Spidey?" The aging Peter Pooper. And Natman does a lot of gimmicks, (laughs) like sold product placement kind of stuff, but gets Spidey out of town. So JJJ is all like, yeah, I did it. I won. Me. Junkton. (laughs) Uh, Except when he's going to town, Natman and Rotten is getting chased by Penguin or Joker or Scarecrow. And then Junkton is like, I don't like this anymore. So I thought that was kind of fun that the, that Marvel at least was like, well, Spidey at least doesn't have a city full of sociopaths. <laughs> like, Touché, Marvel. Touché. So a lot of the pictures, though, were just really great and got me laughing just from looking at them. She was excellent at caricature. Just excellent at it. 2001 was far too late for her to be in the Hall of Fame. And that is your brief summary.
1: I love it. It was a great summary. One of the things that we're trying to do with these artists' episodes, sort of unsuccessfully, uh, is read different things by the same artist and talk about how their art was in those specific uh, pieces of literature. And Marie Severn was a little hard to get a hold of as accredited artist. I realized that she transferred to be like a department head and like head of marketing, you know. And before that, she was like, one of the cogs of the machine, you know, when she first started. But I did Google her in Hoopla, my free library app, and Fraggle Rock was like the thing that she was, she was uh,
0: amazing in there
1: for. And and it it is amazing. So I've been Uh, looking at a bunch of Fraggle Rock comics. I could just totally see that this woman had a good sense of humor. Like it's just obvious in the way that she characterizes her comics. Uh, You can, I mean, it's Jim Henson's and Marie Severin's Fraggle Rock. But also, it just seems like there's a style to it that is uniquely hers. And, And she is credited on these, which is good. I'm glad. And I wanted to, and so is the letterer, actually, which is really exciting. Speaking of letters, good. Yeah, because, like, for instance, the one that I'm the most in love with out of all of these, like, looking at it, is the dozer who wants to be a fraggle. And it's been so freaking long, and I forgot that there was a difference between fraggles and dozers. <laughs> but it's the cutest, like, old-fashioned type thing. Like, 100%, this is just, like, so wholesome. Because it's, like, even the way that they introduce the comic is just it's got that old style panel front where it's got the like there's something happening on the front page and you've got the title at the top you know fraggle rock and the dozer who wants to be a fraggle and then you've got like this cue card like they used to do located just beyond reality is fraggle rock home of the happy laughing silly fraggles who are 18 inches small and spend most of their carefree hours having fun They almost never pay attention to another group living in Fraggle Rock, the Dozers. Six inches high and always working and building. In fact, neither group pays much attention to the other. Well, usually. And then there's like this little like scene where they're all kind of spread out. The older Fraggle is like reading a poem and there's a little hellion running around who looks like looks like they might be like about to crash into something. And then there's a Dozer like who's apparently much, much smaller. I mean, like, I know they said 18 inches small and six inches high, but, like, the perspective on this is forced, so it looks like they're maybe an inch tall, and then, like, the other ones are, like, two foot high. Anyway, um, it's good that they called out the relative (laughs) sizes, because I was like, "Mm, that's way small. Like, they can't even be friends. But then in the little corner, it says Stephen K. Writer, Marie Severin Art and Coloring, and Grace Kramer lettering. And I'm just really excited about that because it's like, oh, I want to bring those back. Those little like cue cards at the front. I mean, I realize it kind of like interferes with the realism of the comics or whatever. But and, you know, not all of the not all of them have that same like card at the bottom. But I don't know. I saw that. and I was like, oh, that's really nice. And then also like
0: it depends on the story. I think the character and the publisher and probably the editor, too, because I've noticed for like I read Batman New 52, Batgirl New 52. I'm so sorry. I did not read Batman. I read Batgirl. They had that kind of title card, like the the name for the arc, like on the page. But when I read the DC Black Label stuff, sometimes it's a title card, like in the back of the book that credits the entire team. But I, I, I do kind of like the when they do that introduction as well, because it gives it this, such as this like cool newsy tone, right? Like, yeah, that kind of faded radio heist sound that I can't emulate at all, but it it gives that kind of this exciting build to the adventure. What will happen next in Batgirl versus the Shrew? I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember the names of the arcs, but...
1: It feels like whenever they did do that more routinely, they were better at making each issue do something. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like they... Did more Mm. with each issue like gave you I don't know I feel like I get real sassy when I try to read single issues without having like more than one of them sitting in front of me of the top two that I've picked up in the past couple of years and that individual issue is sometimes just like a quarter of an arc instead of a you know instead of having a complete storyline therein or Mm -hmm. a something that develops therein and I feel and it always feels like whenever I read some of these older school type that they have like the overarching thing that they're kind of crawling toward, but really what's happening is they're just bumbling through a series of hijinks and it's a lot more fun to engage with. Mm-hmm. Like I have more fun reading them. Yeah. I could see why that would hook a person. I think that's what I liked about. Into yeah. a lifelong obsession. Well, you know, like I could <laughs> see how that lays the anchor in a doctora. Oh, true. And, You know, the caricatures kind of brought some of that fun to
0: me as a reader, because it's not like I've read enough Spider-Man or nat Mm -hmm. (laughs) or any of the other titles to really engage with any of the canon or the lore. But reading the satire, like I've seen Silver Surfer before. I know who that is. I know who Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is from all the different movies and TV shows. Like it still was fun. I got the characters from other contexts, and they were fun. And I was like, man, I would love to read a Spider-Man book. And then I thought about it, and I was like, no, that's a lot of reading. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would have loved to have read it from the same era. It's just, like, if I wanted what they were making fun of, I would have to go back and read comics from the 60s and 70s. I don't think I could pick up current title, except maybe for, what is it, Peter Loves Mary Jane, or... Spidey loves Mary there's kind of a fun I think spin-off series about in high school with Mary Jane and Peter if somebody knows Back when Mary please Jane made tell sense. me I don't I don't know he's had so many love interests like do we care if they make sense or not
1: <laughs> like one of them
0: died well, because true. his spider goop gave her cancer
1: <laughs> like well okay so I don't know if I can say yes. jizz on this podcast like okay. I mean <laughs> Well, okay, so uh, in Spidey's defense, he's like this never ending child man, you know, and I guess in my head, you know, that's an archetype that's born out, you know, and all of his girlfriends. Are these archetypes of girlfriends? You know, like the fun, wild one, like Mary Jane, or like you know Mm -hmm. the sophisticated, classy one, like Gwen Stacy. I assume. I don't know. I don't actually know very much
0: about the lore, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah,
1: there's that they're supposed to fit like this type of all teenage woman, and um, I think that I think that the women are the ones that age the worst. Like Peter Pan, Peter Parker. You know, characters still exist today but like in my head development of women archetypes has has gotten somewhere in the last couple of decades thankfully and the
0: At 21st century century of the women in comic books <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: we're finally in the hall of fame
1: but then but then whenever they're remaking all of these intros you know you're you're stuck watching the you know i mean like i love i love the Toby McGuire movies, don't get me wrong. I was of the age to be a completely heart stopped whenever they were doing the upside down rain kiss, which now that I'm an adult, I'm like, there's probably water up their nose, and how did he not choke? And <laughs> just all of these like logistics issues. But acting. But you know, like, God, Kirsten Dust and that doesn't make any damn sense to me now that I go back and watch it. I mean, like, at the time I was like, I don't know what teenagers are like, but now I'm like gross like she's a 40 year old pretending to be a teenager and that's the and that like even though Kirsten Dunst was like a pretty young woman at the time I think you know like it's one of those because the caricature of that woman you know like that caricature is a certain age now and is like the young at heart never going to get old type of woman so even if they look like they're young you're like that woman is probably two decades older than i expect her to be you know because she just lived mm-hmm. such a joyful life you know <laughs> found the Can fountain of youth about,
0: yeah like i mean women just in that time were horribly it, high schoolers at that time were just horribly misrepresented they're like what's up high schoolers no one has <laughs> curfew right and everybody is hella well-dressed and fashionable and can afford all of it right and cares none of you have a blemish you're 14 and you have perfect abs
1: like (laughs) well and it's surprising to me it's surprising to me knowing that there were artists like mary severin in the industry at that time from such an early point you know and i think Watch the segue, Erin. I think you can really see it when you look at her original costume versus some of the later iterations of the Spider-Woman costume. Mm -hmm. That she is a woman in the industry who is trying to think of practical things. Do you like that? Was that good? Did I do a good job, Mom?
0: (laughs) You did a great job, lol. You did a great job. Yeah, so her original costume, on that note, for (laughs) Spider-Woman... Actually, in my opinion, was practical. Cause like mm-hmm. all the other following Spider Women had to glue a wig to the top of their outfits. Cause like
1: <laughs> or like their mask. They had her to hair all forehead. tucked up. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like her hair was all tucked up underneath, and all of these other people are like, My hair is free flowing. And it's like, you're literally your mask wouldn't stay up, like with that design, but you know, go off, I guess. So I, 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 wonder wonder the who are like, I wonder if I that's want,
1: gonna change I wonder if that's gonna change now that we actually have to wear these masks all the time like, now that we've had the experience of wearing these masks and these, like, you know, the uh, gaiters and stuff where they're like, oh, yeah, the skin tight ones are real good. And people pull them up and they're like, oh, it's perfect. And then it slowly falls down their face and they're like, ah, uh-huh. there's nothing to keep it there. I wonder if artists in the future are going to be like, no, we can't do that because we all know that that's not how masks work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we know this literally doesn't work. What is also kind of nice.
1: Work. <laughs> I'm totally, like.
0: Maybe this is my inability to recognize faces, but I hope this adds to the whole, like, why doesn't anybody recognize Clark Kent with glasses on or Superman with glasses on? Because, like, I can't recognize anybody's face, but I have really distinct glasses. So I've had people come up and be like, oh, my God, Aaron, hi. And I look at them just terrified. because I have no <laughs> idea who they are. And they're like, I'm your coworker. It's just your glasses are always just so cool. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're like this person is in casual clothes rather than business casual they had a beanie on and sweatpants and i'm like i don't know who you are i've only seen you in a button up in jeans and with a camera <laughs> and they're Like, hey and I'm like oh. but they could recognize me because my glasses so i'm just saying like maybe it makes sense to have part of your face covered and people not being able to recognize you but looking at the spider woman costumes and how they just have their hair out and most of their face showing and really distinct haircuts, I'm like, y'all gonna get caught.
1: And bodies, you think you're hiding, that not. Very yeah. distinct bodies that they're showing literally all of. At least that first one. Okay, that first one is sort of of a piece of its time. Like, I'm not gonna give her too much credit for yeah. that. Like, you do see a little bit of definition in the leg, but it's the kind of definition you see on the male costumes. And I feel like as it yeah. evolves, it becomes more and more like a weird simi-skin. Like, the the yes like like the latex actually exists below their skin and they just shed their skin like lizards to reveal their spandex suits before they grow their skin back to go in like resume their do you think that's secret better identities? or
0: worse than superman just changing in a phone booth <laughs> like you just you just come along and you're like oh fuck there's a skin suit here and then you see spider okay. woman and you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> like Ugh. So as
1: someone who lives in the midwest where weather has been getting a little bit it's been going off a little bit I can just tell you that I would be 100% okay with wearing a comfy spandex thing underneath my clothes to cut the wind like mm, mm-hmm. he's probably comfy as fuck he's probably like mm, yeah the weather doesn't bother me and everyone's like oh, awesome. Like, yeah, you're just one of those guys that wear shorts in summer. And he's like, nay, nay, I have layers
0: on. <laughs> like, ha-ha. <laughs> I figured out the secret.
1: The secret. It, God, it was imagine like being pre- in a
0: full leotard, though, just all the time in the summer. Man, you got some stink crotch going on. I don't know why I said that. I am so sorry, world. <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> well, I'm just about to ask, why has nobody done Uh, somebody needs to get on and do an homage to the mistress of mirth because i refuse to call her mirthful myrtle uh the mistress of mirth um long (laughs) may she reign someone needs to do an homage to her with a new version of the the whatever ek and what we need is like sponsors on all of the spandex so like you better see a lot of Under Armour, like, logos. If these people are sourcing, like, open sourcing, you better see Under Armour everywhere. Like, yeah, no, I'm just in my running suit. I and just want like,
0: Pepsi across the ass. Just give me the word Pepsi right <laughs> across the ass.
1: That's America's ass.
0: <laughs> it's America's <laughs> ass. And it's America. It's like Captain West. America, like, in in, like, a little, maybe, like, Speedo, or not... You know, like swimming trunks, very tight fit, and he's like looking over his shoulder, like a sexy woman poses. But he's got that bubble, that athletic bubble butt, and it just says Pepsi, and he's holding uh, the can. Is America's Pop? <laughs>
1: like I love this. Like Somebody to use it. <laughs> like, Cite your sources, people. God, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm just really sad eh. because I wish, I wish that we knew more about these women these women pioneers and i mean like people have already been mad about this stuff before right like people get mad about like what was it Uh, jack kirby or something being written off of a lot of creator titles or not given creator Mm -hmm. rights or you know like artists yep get the bag anyway but also like a lot
0: of people do yeah but she did a lot of work that i think was really important the colorist work like yeah. letterers and colorers aren't given the credit that they need, and for her era, doing lines and doing colors, they the technology was so different, printing was so different. That you know, I mean, I don't know a lot about the technology side, but hell, maybe she actually pioneered techniques with it. I don't know what yeah, maybe. she did or what well, comics I, originally borrowed from.
1: I feel like so many comics artists and like authors, creators. It's such a cult of personality, and I feel like we really lose out on that established cult of personality. You know, like, there's the Stan Lees, and and the Jack Kirby's, and, you know, the Michael Bay's, or whatever. I don't know. I just threw that one out there because I I was on the tip of my tongue. But um, whoever wrote that one that they won't stop remaking about Watchmen, um, you know what I mean have all of these big names of people which obviously are very important and i know all of uh, and <laughs> definitely oh, yeah, don't we take totally, my curve to totally all, follow all of that all about it um, alan moore
0: is who you're thinking of
1: yeah thank you um but there's such you know what i mean like there's, there's bindis there's a name i don't know uh these people that everyone's like oh yeah these people and and none of them, There's just not very many women in that group. And I feel like there's been a lack of evolution because of it. We've missed out on evolution Mm -hmm. because they haven't been able to follow those women creators in the same way.
0: I'm going to push out. I think we have one. We have one. One. who, Who? Really? Actually, you know what? Here's my shout out to who I think is the one woman cult to personality who i can immediately think of there are quite a few women that we are fans of but the yes. one who i think really takes the throne currently and i don't want to say anything about fighting a good fight because i don't know what she does in her free time besides get on twitter and get the most random topics trend- trending gail simone
1: okay so that yeah that is a woman now, creator n- now there are women yeah, creators, but obviously,
0: thinking,
1: but but in terms of the history, but of I get what you are saying. Creators building on top of each other is more what I was sad about. Because I mean, I feel like you are right. In the last couple of decades, there have been some cult of personality women that are coming out. You know, like like really mm-hmm. marking out their their space, really dominating their space in the field. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is one of them that I follow around. You know, and, and, like I, uh, there are women yeah. now who do, but it. Yeah. It's, it's sad to me that I only know a certain age range of women. How about that? Like that's, that's more what I'm talking about is I don't have that's these fair. grandmothers that's of fair. comics to be like, yeah, you know, like grandmommy, you know, Marie Severin and granddaddy Lee. you know, like I, I feel like I do now cause I know who she is and I've looked into her a little bit and had my little class that I sat through from my mom host. But I, you know, I'm, I just, It didn't even occur to me to mourn the fact that we didn't have a grandmommy.
0: I'm really glad Um, you brought that up and you phrased it in that way of grandma and comic books because, yeah, like, I think that what that's what makes it really, really weird in being a woman in the comic industry. There are a lot of great titles and there are a lot of great women characters, but there aren't a lot of great women. Like, there, there are great women now. Yes, we've already said that, but there's not, like, a history of really standout, knockout, women icons that we can lean on and go to as our staples. And I think that's why historically they've always been like comics are for boys. It's because they've ha- those are the creators. That's who they were writing to. That's who they thought they were writing to because women have always been reading comics in some capacity. But like that, that kind of talks about the burden that we have in that we have to, we as consumers have to love the women creators who are doing phenomenal work strong enough and harder in order to get them that longevity and then you know you add on lgbt creators or you add on non-binary creators or you you know Mm -hmm. it just it's this b-i-p-o-c it's this layer of like having to work harder and work longer to even get that recognition or that station we are creating grandmothers of comic industry in the 21st century because 21st century Century of Women in Comics. Um, and we just have to work really, really. Hard. So, you know, we've got to work really hard to make sure that Gail is remembered. But then let's also bring Kelly Sue DeConnick, Alex DeCampi, uh Why did I just forget everybody? Erica Henderson. <laughs> like, there are so many women out there who are working and doing really great. Freaking Carla Nappy who I just talked with. We've got to get their names out and recognized and respected and sometimes that's just going to be a little bit harder
1: who does uh nimona but i think they yeah.
0: are noelle stevenson um oh, stevenson. i think uses they them so oh but really? that's you know another grouping of the they use them now
1: well that's cool i learn something new every day
0: yeah so it's just this layer of having to work harder so we can get that representation
1: are we missing anything
0: i'm I'm, i don't think so i think we're just kind of missing an ending which is
1: the story of our mm, grandmommy lives is missing an ending (laughs) woof that self-edit went way too long (laughs) woo I can see us twenty years Day from now, like you're you've graduated from the mom to the grandmom host. Oh shit, that would be awesome! To, I'm i have graduated to the lifelong lieutenant, <laughs> <laughs> who no longer laughs because they're just so beat the down. The la 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 la. I wonder
0: how long we can keep this going, and like. Who will we become as time goes on?
1: I feel like this does nothing but help me. Like, the longer I'm on this podcast, I feel like I've really developed myself as a person. I feel a lot more
0: confident when I go into situations. People try to look at me funny out in public, and I'm like, I record my voice and put it out anonymously on the internet. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like
1: Doing hot girl shit right now. Fuck off.
0: I'm still intimidated by librarians, but like...
1: Librarians are the ultimate hot girl shit, so I don't know how to... I don't know how to protect you from them. That's true. Like, at, like end of life, they're usually Hellenized, but
0: like, you have to get a master's for that. Did you know that?
1: I know. That blows my I mind. know you do.
0: I mean, it I, makes I sense, but people, it also blows my mind.
1: I met some people who were like being li- like going in to be librarians in their like, early 20s, and I was so respectful of that. I was like, God, you live your truth. You know, like, I'm sitting here like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Maybe I'll teach English. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just go die at a factory which is the choice that I decided, obviously, was the best one. But uh, Path of Loose Resistance, let's go with that. And <laughs> I was like, the, the, the cojones it takes, though, to choose a passion as your career is amazing. And I feel like that is a wonderful thing to talk about in an artist episode because the passion that these people... Have been able to sustain in their lives for their careers. You know, the mirth that you're able to keep after 50 years in an industry that continues to try to erase your presence or sexualize your presence or, you know, that you're growing with, like to be able to still be the life of the party at the end of the day is, I think, like the ultimate mentor, like for me. I want to be good natured and live my life in a happy way. Which is why I still do this with you. Because I feel like you bring me joy. Aww. Oh no
0: Thank did I treat you. you? This is so awesome. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I love doing this too. Like I'm just so glad I'm just so glad I know you. I'm not very sentimental or good with words. But it's just so fun. I don't know. I'm just glad I get to message you and be like, listen to this shit. <laughs> <And> it's about <laughs> comics and you get it. And it's like, non-expected friendship blossomed and I'm so happy. And I can't wait to see what else we do.
1: Agreed. And if you, dear listener, can't wait to see what else we do, follow us on all of the things. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Girls Talk Comics podcast you can google us and there we are there we have always been there we shall always be until the end of time amen we have a link tree that aaron is really good at sharing on the twitter so if you follow us on twitter you can find our link tree and then you can see all of the things we have our youtube our facebook our twitter our ko and you know if you like us that kofi that's the place to show us send us a note I guess we also, through our hosting agent, have a contact card where you can send us real email, which is like the second best thing to actual snail mail. It is a pretty personalized, awesome thing that we will be so happy to read and would definitely talk about on the podcast if that's something that makes you excited. If you also want to be talked about on the podcast, please send us a note.
0: Yeah, I got nothing to add to that. But thanks for joining us. (laughs) Like, Bye.
1: Every time I thought that I got a handle on it, it just devolved rapidly under my, like sand under my feet. And I was like, fuck, I sound like I'm 11 trying to explain my favorite sci-fi book about horses to my mom. And then, and then, and then there was a balloon. And there was and, a balloon. And,
0: and, and the, the girl purple horses can
1: fly. And-,
0: <laughs> and her saddle was made... By her great grandmother, who was magic, and you're
1: like, what? I don't understand any of this. Yeah, it was. Uh... You're like, I'm here for the ride. Here for the ride. Let's go. They're like, let's talk I, about incest. I feel with childlike wonder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're like brothers and sisters, which is taboo for us, but not for them. <laughs> like, okay, okay, Jess. Like, <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's
1: still gross, but there, you. but there's precedent. That's all I was saying. Yeah. No. Um.
0: <laughs> I really would like our outro zinger to be incest is still gross. There was just precedence. Like, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. That's that's a thing. You and I have now we're now recorded saying, which I suppose is good that we're standing on that side of that battle but like we're apologists take it out of context we're incest apologists and i don't know how to feel about that <laughs> anyway oh, no.
1: let's clap okay. <laughs> that might be the interest digger we're incest apologists and i don't know how to feel about that Please
0: keep the out of context.
1: <laughs> in <front> of me. <laughs> That's the power of the line edit, Aaron. <laughs> Shit.